This first picture you're going to see on the screen this morning is that of Giselle Bunchen. She's a famous fashion model and wife of Super Bowl quarterback Tom Brady. She has had a very successful career representing Victoria's Secret, Pantene, Procter and Gamble, and Oral B. I guess she has nice teeth. Sadly, last year her take-home pay was three million dollars less than the previous year. She only earned forty-two million dollars last year. Don't you feel bad for her? <laughs> She certainly has a beautiful face. But I want to talk to you today about being a truly beautiful wife on the inside. And that's what 1 Peter chapter 3 is all about. It's a great text to demonstrate what it takes to be a Christian wife, a woman of spiritual beauty. Very simply, it takes respect for your husband. Fashion models walk the runway for a few minutes while they are watched and photographed. And then they often return to their dressing room to put on another outfit and go back out on the runway again. That's their job. And believe it or not, the average length of career for a fashion model is 18 months. We're going to consider today the lifelong career of honoring the Lord by respecting one's husband. So we're going to dig into this text this morning and see what we can learn about inner beauty. The kind of beauty that's worth far more than $42 million. Verses 1 and 2. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. The chapter begins with the word likewise in the King James Version and in the same way, depending on the translations. But what it means is that there's a direct connection here to what went before at the end of chapter 2 of First Peter. The theme of chapter 2, if you'll turn back maybe one page in your Bibles with me, is found in verse 12 where the Apostle Peter challenges all of his readers then and now about our conduct before the unbelievers around us, about our behavior. He says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Peter wants the people of his day, the Christians of his day and still today, to be careful about our conduct on the runway of life so that we can be good testimonies to non-Christians around us who are watching us. And he expands on that theme in the end of the chapter by writing, first of all, about submitting to government authorities, verses 13 through 17. And then in verses 18 to 25, he talks about slaves submitting to their masters. And some people, in my opinion, intentionally read this section we're looking at this morning, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, in the context of slaves and masters. They think that Peter is writing to wives and telling them that they are to be just like slaves to their chauvinistic bosses, their masters. 
their husbands. But that's not what Peter is writing about. He does say that wives are to submit to their husbands. But he's really focusing on the respect that should be lived out in the home as a demonstration of the submission of Christ Himself. Even Jesus, while He was growing up on this earth, was submissive to His earthly parents, Joseph and Mary. Luke chapter 2, verse 51 says, regarding Jesus, He went down with them, His parents, and came to Nazareth, and He continued in subjection or submission to them. Peter wants Christian wives to realize that their respect for their husbands illustrated daily by their willing submission to that man's leadership will make an impact on their home and on the runway of life as observers observe. Think about this just for a moment. Jesus could have said while He was a boy on earth, My parents are far from perfect and I am perfect, so why do I have to submit to my mother and father? And the wife who reacts to Peter's command here about respecting their husbands with the statement, but my husband isn't worthy of my respect, is missing the point. Respect is a choice we make. That's the point. Just like love is a choice for a husband to his wife or she to him. I said in our previous message directed to men that God designed women to need security. Well, God also designed men to need respect. Sometimes Christian wives look at other husbands who seem to really love their wives and show it, and they wonder why their man can't be like that. There's that old story about a couple having dinner in a restaurant. The wife sees another couple in a nearby booth. She sees the husband sitting close to his wife and with his arm around her and he's whispering things in her ear and she's smiling and blushing and he's gently rubbing her shoulder and combing his fingers through her hair and the woman turns to her husband and says look at that couple over there look how close the man is to his wife look how he's talking to her look how sweet he is why don't you ever do that her husband looks up from his Caesar salad glances over at the next booth and then turns to his wife and says, Honey, I don't even know that woman. (laughs) But Peter is addressing here a very common occurrence in the first century and still today. That two people would marry, a husband and a wife. The wife would respond to the wonderful message of good news of the gospel. She'd get saved and her husband wouldn't. And not only would he not get saved, but he might even be very hostile to her new faith in Jesus Christ. But even in those difficult situations, Peter is urging submission on the part of the wife out of respect for the man's role as leader in the home. Yes, even an unsaved husband is the leader of his home. That's God's plan for marriage. say, Bill, how do you know that? Well... Two key passages, both by the Apostle Paul, but Peter would certainly agree. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, the man is the head of the woman. And Ephesians 5, verse 23, 
The husband is the head of the wife. Here in our text, Peter tells believing wives, Christian wives, that even if some of them are disobedient to the word, that respectful submission on the part of the wife to the husband's leadership may win him to Christ. That word disobedient, by the way, literally means unwilling to be persuaded. And yes, Peter is making it clear that even if the husband is unwilling to be persuaded that he should trust Jesus as Savior, the wife's respectful behavior, her attitude of respect, shown by her submission to his leadership, may make a change in him. The word chaste here refers to pure conduct morally. So the wife is to conduct herself in a pure, morally pure way. Chaste. But then also, respect, fear, or reverence, depending on the translation. That's the overriding character trait. That's what will make the difference in the home and in the marriage. Peter also makes it clear here in these opening verses that no talking is needed on the runway of life. You don't have to nag your husband into becoming a Christian. Without a word, even a man who's been antagonistic toward the word, the Bible, the truth of God, may be one to faith in Christ. But it can only happen in the environment of respect toward the husband as the leader in the marriage. So it's not so much that the Christian wife speaks the word to her husband as that he sees the word in her, lived out in her life. And think about this, if it can make that big of a difference in a spiritually divided home, think of what it can do in the home where a husband and wife both love Jesus. Amen? It can make a huge difference and can show the rest of the world around us that we're walking on that runway together because we love God and love each other and we respect each other. Peter also wants the wife to know that he's not talking here about the silent treatment. Rather, he's talking about silent trust in God to work in the heart of her husband. So on the spiritual runway of life, God is looking for Christian wives who will model respect for their husbands. Let's put it this way. Men, if you want to really bring out the worst in your wife, treat her like a chauvinistic master. I'm the boss. I run this house. I'm the king of my castle even if it's a mobile home or whatever. And women, if you want to bring out the worst in your husband, act disrespectfully toward him, especially in front of others and especially in front of the children that God has given you. You see, men find respect in various areas of life like promotions at work or projects they complete or property that they own, or power and authority in different arenas of life, like in their home. So wives, let me explain this too. Submission to your husband out of respect for him does not mean giving up independent thought. 
It does not mean also giving in to every demand that he makes. Especially if those demands come from an unsaved husband or an unspiritual husband who demands the wife to do something she knows God would not want her to do. It also doesn't mean that you're less intelligent or less competent than he is. It means simply that you are affirming his leadership. Respecting your husband means you are affirming his leadership in the home. Some women show their disrespect to this text by asking somewhat rudely, why does Peter give six verses to the wife here and only one to the husband? Look at verse 7 while we're on that subject. Husbands, likewise. In other words, respect has to come from there too. Husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor, respect as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. But some people will say, the wife gets six verses thrown at her and he only gets one. What's, what's up with that? Well, let me take you back two weeks to the message that we gave on husbands loving their wives. We used as our text Ephesians 5, 25 to 31. The broader context is verses 22 to the end of the chapter, verse 33. And in those 12 verses, nine of them are addressed to the husband, three to the wife. But please understand something. We're not here this morning to count verses like it's some contest. We're here rather to count on God to do what He says He will do in our homes when we respect each other and especially when a wife respects her husband. Because after all, verse 33 of Ephesians 5 ends by addressing both husband and wife together. Here's what it says, Nevertheless, Let each man among you also love his own wife even as himself. And let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. So we're not counting verses. We're counting on the truthfulness of what both Peter and Paul have written. Because really it comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Not from two men who some people think have an axe to grind against women. Respect can be defined as esteem or honor given to someone. And Peter applies that definition to the Christian wife and her special someone. Respect is not so much earned any more than love is earned if it's true biblical love. And conversely, as respect diminishes in the home, so does the motivation to behave respectfully toward another person, a husband in this case. (laughs) The late actress Natalie Wood used to say, the only time a woman ever succeeds in changing a man is when he's a baby. You'll get that in a minute. But But listen to what Dr. Emerson Egerich writes in his widely popular book, Love and Respect. This is great. His love blesses regardless of her respect, and her respect blesses regardless of His love. That's how God planned it. So even in a home where the wife is a Christian and the husband isn't, her respect can bless Him and possibly bring Him to faith in Jesus Christ. 
But what if my husband isn't loving me like he should? What if he isn't behaving like a Christian man should behave? Or what if he isn't even a Christian? How do I show him respect? How do I do it? Peter would say, step into God's dressing room and find out. The goal of a woman who reverences or fears the Lord and then wants to reverence or respect her husband is for her to find out not how can I change my husband, but how can I change into the kind of woman God wants me to be. Answer, it happens in the dressing room of God's Word here in verses 3 and 4. Look at the verses with me. Verse 3, Your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. The world attacks this text as being way out of date and way out of touch with the real world today. Even some so-called Bible teachers have sarcastically referred to this passage as a provocative text. Well, it is provocative. Especially if we take that word the way the dictionary defines it as to stir up or to stimulate. God the Holy Spirit through the pen of the Apostle Peter, wants to stir up first century women and 21st century women to think like God thinks on the subject of respect toward her husband. As the godly wife steps into this spiritual dressing room, she should be asking herself, am I going to value what God values or what others value or what I value? Well, if I could summarize in one sentence what Peter is challenging Christian wives to adopt here, it would be this. Make visible the invisible you. Show him what's on the inside. Show your husband what is on the inside where God has been working in you. Another way to put this, as the text does, is don't be so focused on outward adorning. But please note one key word in the New American Standard Version of the Bible, that little word merely. Your adornment must not be merely external. What that means, ladies, and all of us, is that it's not at all wrong for a woman to wear appropriate clothing, or to wear jewelry, or to use makeup. In fact, the word adornment, interestingly enough, is from a Greek root word that means cosmetics. So it's not wrong for a woman to dress up, to wear nice clothes, to wear jewelry, or to put on makeup. In the first century, usually only very wealthy women could afford fancy dresses and up-to-the-minute costly cosmetics. Let me give you one example. Pauline, that's all we know her name as. She was the wife of the Roman emperor Caligula. She had a huge wardrobe of fancy dresses, according to historians. One dress alone that was written about in early Roman literature was worth in today's money $700,000. Now that's a dress. 
Peter wants common, ordinary Christian women to be more concerned about the extraordinary attitude and lifestyle of respect more than putting on or dressing up in the latest fashions. In other words, Peter would challenge a Christian woman, a Christian wife, to consider beauty for the soul more than beauty from the store. Again, back to verses 1 and 2, this beauty is to be seen more than heard. And sometimes it's best if it's seen and not heard. Particularly if the spoken word is negative in tone or content. Here's the kind of unkind conversation that occurs even in some Christian homes. Listen carefully. You really can't do anything right, can you? That's not a good way to talk to your husband. That's not a good kind of conversation for any of us to have in our homes. Instead of negative, cutting remarks, godly wives are to show respect by building our husbands up with words of affirmation and appreciation. It is possible, for example, to let him know how much you appreciate his hard work in supporting the family. It is possible to ask him how his day went when he gets home and to really be interested in the answer. It is possible to affirm what he tells the kids instead of contradicting him in front of the kids. By the way, men and women, in order for that to happen in the home, we have to be on the same page when it comes to disciplining our children, which means then that we need to talk about those things. Mom and dad, husband and wife, and come to an agreement. The opposite, ladies, rolling the eyes when he says something we don't agree with, criticizing him at every turn, complaining to others about him, especially to the kids, nagging him, none of that looks good on a Christian woman. None of it dresses up quite like respect does. A great question for a woman to ask before reacting is, is what I am about to say or do going to feel like respect to him? To him. I may think it's respectful, but I need to know, does he see it that way? Is that how it comes across? Peter, in our text, urges that women put on a gentle and quiet spirit. Let's talk about those two words for a moment. Gentle. It means that I'm not insisting on my rights, that I'm not pushy or self-assertive. Jesus taught in Matthew 5, verse 5, that the meek or the gentle shall inherit the earth. That's quite a reward, isn't it? Worth a whole lot more than $42 The word translated meek or gentle in the Bible speaks about power under control like a horse that can be reined to turn in, a ver- in one direction or another. When applied to the wife, it means that she is to be reined in to the control of the Holy Spirit so that she is turned in the direction He wants 
her to go. The Holy Spirit wants her to go. And for her to say and do what the Holy Spirit wants her to say and do. The word quiet here indicates that a respectful wife restrains her words and is reserved when expressing her concerns instead of obnoxious with her complaints. Proverbs 10 verse 19 tells all of us whether we're in the dressing room or not. When there are many words, transgression or sin is unavoidable. But he or she who restrains the lips is wise. So lecturing your husband is only going to lead to a fight. And disrespect often leads to marital discord. And we could add, in some cases, divorce. We all need to be careful about generalizations. And they're especially dangerous in marriage. Generalizations like, you always do this or that. Or, you never do this or that. As I was working on this message, I came across these powerful verses in Galatians 5, verses 14 and 15, so appropriate for our marriages. Listen carefully. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love, that's the one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. I really am afraid that we could find way too many verbal bite marks in our marriages if we look closely enough. And some men and women are hiding those wounds and those hurts. But praise God this morning, God knows about them. And He cares about them. Well, the Christian wife is on the runway every day, in the dressing room regularly to put on that spirit of respect, that gentle and quiet outfit each morning. Why does she do it? First of all, most importantly, because her Savior, the Lord Jesus, says that it is precious. Do you see that in the text? It's precious to Him. And then secondly, because she wants to honor her husband. She wants to portray respect toward Him as God commands. So she makes that choice daily to put on that spirit. But Peter wants her to know finally that she is not alone and has never been alone in this. Other women have made it their spiritual career And today's wife can as well. Look at verse 5. For in this way, in former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear. I need to start this final point by making it clear that Peter is not forcing Christian wives in the first century or the 21st century to call their husbands Lord with a small L, as if he is heir to the English throne. It's not what he's talking about. First of all, the word has more of the connotation of sir. A companion word is used in the little book in the New Testament, Second John, the very first verse. There the Apostle John addresses a friend of his whom he calls a chosen lady. That's the female version of this word. 
Lord and Lady or Sir and Ma'am. Secondly, while Peter is urging women to be respect excuse me, be respectful to their husbands, like Sarah was to Abraham, it doesn't mean that he's expecting Christian women, then or now, to copy everything about Sarah to make themselves carbon copies of every deed that Sarah did or every word that Sarah spoke. Interestingly, when Sarah used that respectful title, L-O-R-D, she spoke it in silence. No one heard it but God. Genesis 18, verse 12, here's what it says. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also. So let's step away from the idea, the unbiblical idea, that men are lords or masters over their wives. That's not what the Bible teaches. Thirdly, Sarah was just one of many such women who showed respect to their husbands. It says clearly in our text, the women of old, plural, not just Sarah. Her name is mentioned, but she wasn't alone in this important career of respecting one's husband in those days. These other women, too, made it into the dressing room and adorned themselves, clothed themselves with respect, and they walked the runway as a career. Notice, too, fourthly, that they and women today are commanded to respect their own husbands. Their own husbands. Not all men in general. And I don't mean by that that women can be disrespectful to other men. That's not very pleasant or precious. I simply mean that a Christian wife has has her first obligation to be respectful to her husband. Her own husband. You're not answerable to every man for everything you do. Only to your husband. And then finally, you need to remember that Sarah was not a perfect woman or wife. In fact, on two different occasions as proof of that, she followed her husband's lead in supporting a lie to two different kings. The lie that she was Abraham's sister when in reality she was his wife. Instead, Peter is using her as an example of respect toward one's husband and as a a woman of faith a woman who trusted God he's talking then about a pattern of behavior over a lifetime a career of being respectful as far as the record goes in Genesis Sarah never disrespected Abraham let me give you an example Back to Genesis 18 for a moment in our thinking. Three guests come to visit Abraham and Sarah at their tent. Abraham felt it was the right thing to do to invite them to stay for a meal. So he said to his wife in Genesis 18 verse 6, Quickly, prepare three measures of fine flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. The very next verse, if some women today had their way, would have Sarah saying, Who are you to tell me to make the bread? Do it yourself, you knucklehead. Those kinds of conversations go on in homes. 
even Christian homes. Rather than that caricature, Sarah is favorably mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter. Verse 11 says this about her, By faith even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. Why? Because she considered Him faithful who had promised God. She was a woman of faith. By the way, that three measures of flour that she was to bake into bread... There must have been a lot of guests besides those three servants or something because that equals 20 bushels of flour. She had a lot of work in front of her. No signs of complaining. And I also believe that Sarah must have been a very beautiful woman late into her life because two different kings thought she was beautiful enough to take her into their own harem. But what really made her beautiful was her faith in God. So Peter says in our text, And you have become her children if you do what is right. Often in Scripture, especially in the book of Galatians, Abraham is is given as an illustration of being the father of all who believe. The father of those who put their trust in Jesus. Well, Sarah is then the mother of all who trust God and respect their husband. We're told in Proverbs 31, verse 30, that beauty is vain or empty as a career pursuit. But a woman who fears or reverences or respects the Lord and thus makes respecting her husband a career, she will be praised. Some of you, I'm sure, have heard the name Halle Berry. She's one of People Magazine's 50 most beautiful people. A couple of years ago, she said this, and I quote, Let me tell you something. Being thought of as a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life. No heartache, no trouble. Love has been difficult. Beauty is essentially meaningless. And it is always transitory. This attitude, ladies, this career of respect for one's husband, will make a woman a victor instead of a victim. Look at the end of verse 6 without being frightened by any fear. I take that to mean that this career respect will mean that a woman doesn't have to fear her husband, even if he's a die-hard unbeliever. She need not fear, secondly, that she has somehow failed God in her duty or calling, because God knows her heart. And he's pleased with her for the respect she shows daily to her husband. And then finally, she won't need to fear about the next generation, her daughters or other young women around her. They will also see a legacy in her of godly conduct. And those daughters or young women who are watching along the runway or who are wanting to look in the dressing room of a more mature, godly woman will be blessed by her lifestyle. And then they will want to make this their career too. I want to conclude by saying that this career of being a truly beautiful wife is a lifelong career. No age restrictions, no time constraints. This last picture you're going to see is that of a woman named Daphne Self with an E on the end. She's from London, England. She's recognized by Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest working runway model in the world. 
She signed on to work for Models One Agency, which is the largest modeling agency in the world, at age 70. And she's still active in the business at age 87. Now let me get personal for a minute. Wives, if you haven't been respectful of your husband up to this point, my challenge to you is to confess that to God and to your man. And realize at the same time that it's never too late to step into the dressing room and put on respect and walk that runway. Then, however long your career is, it'll make a mark for God and for good. Albert Orsborn wrote a wonderful hymn that can be the prayer of all godly wives. Can I sing just one verse of it for you? It goes like this. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All His wonderful passion and purity. Oh, Thou Spirit divine, all my being refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. That's a great prayer, isn't it? Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And that's true for all of us here this morning. You see, respect for each other in our homes is what will honor God, the one who ordained marriage and family. By His power, He makes godly women, truly beautiful women on the inside. But finally, old or young, married or single, male or female, God is the one who's in the business of making any life, including a wife, beautiful on the inside. Our response is to thank Him and trust Him. To turn our face to Him and put our faith in Him. To walk worthily on life's runway. And to step into the dressing room and put on the robes of Christ's own righteousness through what He accomplished for us on Calvary's cross to take on those robes by faith, and then to live as victors in a world full of victims while we wait the perfect life and the perfect beauty that heaven will bring. I want to invite all of the females here this morning of any age, whether you're married or not, to stand. I want to pray for you this morning. And then I'm going to ask everyone else to stand and we're going to sing together about how God makes something beautiful out of our lives. But first, all the gals this morning, I want to pray for you as we close this message. Let's pray. Father, here in Your presence as I pray, stand these beautiful women. You can make them more and more beautiful as the days go by. Beautiful on the inside as they seek to be respectful toward their husbands if they're married. That they would live chaste or morally pure lives. And that you would help them to be an example to even another generation coming along. May they have a desire to make it their career 
to be respectful, godly women. Bless the marriages here today. Help husbands to love their wives. Help wives to respect and be submissive to the leadership of their husbands. And where we have failed in those areas, we claim your forgiveness and we thank you for forgiveness. And God, our prayer is, in fact, that the beauty of Jesus would be seen in all of us. Because you and you alone can make something beautiful out of our lives. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, everyone stand and sing with me, will you? Something beautiful. Sing with me. Something beautiful, something good, all my confusion, he understood, all I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, but he made something beautiful out of my life. Sing it once more. Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion He understood All I had to offer Him Was brokenness and strife But He made something beautiful Out of my life He made something Beautiful Out of my life